we are going to be going to Second uh, Peter. Uh, if you, it feels like a long time because a lot's happened since we finished First Peter, isn't it? We've had Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, Baptism Sunday. So much to celebrate, amen. So much to celebrate. So if you remember all the way back, like three weeks ago, when we finished First Peter. Not finished, but at least got done with our series. You'll keep reading it again and again throughout your life. But, but our, our theme for First Peter was stand firm. And Peter had written this letter to believers spread throughout uh, regions of the known world at that time. And he, uh, he wrote to let them know that there were obstacles that were going to come against them from outside of this group of believers. There were, there were trials, there was persecution that was going to come. And he said, in the face of those things, when you face those hardships, stand firm. When you face trials from the enemy, the flesh, and the world stand firm in all of that. And that's what he wrote to warn them. And now we're moving on to 2 Peter. And in 2 Peter, it's kind of an important letter because he wrote, he's writing to the same group because uh, uh, he says a little bit later in the letter, he'll say, this is my second letter to you. He's writing to the same believers he was writing to, to before. He's also writing to us again as the family of God. We are uh, believers that are to hear a second message from him. He's also writing, he says he knows he's going to die soon. He knows he's close. And so these are the farewell words he wants to leave the church with. But here's the thing. In, in 1 Peter, he wrote against outside threats to their faith. This time he's going to write against inside threats to their faith. There, there's false teachers, he calls them. And we think false teachers, and we said, well, he's talking about people up on a stage who are talking to big groups of people, and, and, and they're teaching things wrong. And yes, he's talking about that, but he's, but he's talking about more. What he's really talking about is those who call themselves Christians, those who say, yeah, I follow God. They've got the verse a day calendar. They can give you some little sermonettes. They can quote a few Bible verses to you. But honestly, they have no idea what it is to live a surrendered life. Oh, they say they follow him, but their life shows that they don't. And he calls them false teachers. And you know what, what happens is he says they're, they're walking through life and, and they're living under what I'll call cheap grace. Yes, Jesus died for our sins and that makes us free. And it does, but then they use that freedom to go do whatever they want. As if it doesn't demand any response or any change or transformation from them. Oh, Jesus died for us, yes. That sets us free from sin, yes. But it sets us free to follow him. Not just to live any old way we want. And then he says to them later on, too, that they're living like Jesus is never coming back. Oh, people have told them Jesus is coming back. Yeah, Jesus is come quickly, Lord, right? That's what it says at the end of the Bible. He's coming soon. Soon? Really? It's been 2,000 years? Almost 2,000 years? That's not soon to me. He's coming soon, though. And they say, well, when he's coming? And they live like he's never coming back. And you know what Peter says to his believers, his fellow believers? He says to us, he says, you, I know you're different, you look forward to that day. You look forward to that day. So how should we live? 
That's what he's going to say in chapter 3. Since you look forward to Jesus coming back, how should you live? And so we call this series Living Forward. Since we're looking forward, how should we live? Well, that's what we're going to talk about all through this book. So I hope you're ready for it. I know I am. Uh, Let me just pray as we open God's word this morning. Lord God, we love you. And we thank you that your promise is sure, Jesus. You, after you rose from the grave, you gathered your disciples together. And as you were rising up into heaven, you said, I'm going, but I'm not leaving. I'm always going to be with you. You might not be able to see me, but I will be always with you. And then one day I'm coming back. Lord Jesus, come quickly. But until you do, Lord, I don't want to get complacent. I don't want to live relaxed. I want to rest in the goodness of you, God. But I want to lean forward and live towards all the goodness that you have ahead for us. God, you have a good purpose and intention for every one of our lives. God, I confess right now I get complacent and I settle in and I'm just waiting. Lord, I want to wait well. I want to wait living forward to the day you arrive so that my colors are clear when you come. Jesus, I thank you for your deep grace and love for us. And I thank you that you have started a work in us and you aren't done yet. God, as we move throughout this series, as we move through your word today, may you continue the work that you have started in each one of us. And we will praise you for it. In your holy and precious name, Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, you can open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. Today we are going to go chapter uh, 1 verses 1 through 11. And here's how it starts. It says this, Simon Peter, so he, uh, this is the way they wrote letters back then. Instead of signing at the end, they signed it at the beginning. So he's signing his name, Simon Peter, and here's what you need to know about him. A servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, that's it. It's all he is. It's all who. I don't, I don't know what you think people need to know about you. May they know this about us that we're servants of Jesus Christ. To those who, through the righteousness of God, of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, you, I don't know if you feel like buried in words already. What the things Peter is speaking of are deep things. 
You've got to ponder these things. The language is thick here. We're going to be coming back and diving deep into these words, so hang with it. But I want to continue reading through the passage. For this very reason, because you've been given all things, because he's called you by his glory and goodness, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection... Love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Now listen, we're not even going to have time to dive deep into the rest of these verses, but listen to what they say. For if you possess these qualities, if you you hold on to, if you reach for everything he's listed out, here's what's going to happen in increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody want to be that? Yes. I don't want to be unproductive, I want to be productive. So if, if we listen to what he says, if we really let that sink into our souls and follow that, that's what it's going to mean. Here's what else it's going to mean. Whoever does not have them, if I don't do that, they're nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Now I think it's interesting, he doesn't say that they haven't been cleansed. He doesn't say they haven't been cleansed from their past sins, it's just that they forget I wonder how many of us are walking through life forgetting you're clean. Jesus died for all of it. And you've confessed him as your Lord and Savior. And just like he said to Peter, you just need your feet washed. You've already been washed all over. You're clean. Don't forget that. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you will never stumble it doesn't mean you're going to walk through life perfectly that's for the other side but you're not going to stumble it's not going to tripped up in the way you would be tripped up if you didn't listen to what he was saying and apply it to your life and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you ever walk in a room <laughs> and you're, expect, you're just like thinking you're going to be a wallflower in the room? You're walking into a party, you're not going to know like three quarters of the people there, so you're just like showing up to say hi to the hosts and then you're going to cut and run. And you show up and they say, hey! You ever have that happen? Once or twice, like I've walked into a room and I'm like, nobody's going to know me here. And they're like, Ben! I'm like, wow, where'd that come from? Somebody actually said to me one time, you didn't expect that, did you? And I said, no. Can you imagine how good that felt? (sighs) Imagine when you pass from this earth, as tough as your life is, as much as you've suffered, for Jesus Christ, you might die and nobody knows your name on this side. And you cross to that other shore. (sighs) You're home. A rich welcome waiting for you. Oh, I want that. I want that. So, how? All right, let's go back to the beginning. Simon Peter. 
servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those. So here's what Peter's going to do. When he starts his letter, he's going to say, here's who the letter's from. And now he's going to say, here's who the letter's to. And we zip right past this, but we got to stop because it's important. Here's who the, the letter is to. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, Peter says. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So everything he is going to say in this letter, everything we're going to talk about that after, uh, after uh, this morning, after this moment, is to a particular group of people. And who, here's who it's to. It's to those of us who are already in the faith. To those of us who already have faith in Jesus Christ, who have, who have come to this faith through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's really important. What, is, like, what faith is he talking about? Any faith? I mean, that's what our world says. It doesn't matter what faith. Did you, did you all see the new, I didn't even know I was going to say this, but okay. Like, did you all see the new Indiana Jones trailer? Who's excited for the new Indiana Jones Okay, not many of you, right? Because the last one was a bomb. I'm a little bit nostalgic, and I'm hoping, like, pull one off, finally. Before Harrison Ford passes away, pull off a good one. But, yeah, I'm, I'm listening, watching the trailer, and the, the music swells, and I get all nostalgic. You know, and it starts off. And then here's what Indy says. He says, I don't, I'm not going to get the words exact, but he's, he says, after all I've seen, I've learned it doesn't matter what you believe, just believe it. Something like that. That's crap. Listen, it, it really matters what you believe. What do you got to believe? Here's the thing. To those who through the righteousness of Jesus, of blank, Jesus Christ, it's really important what you put in that blank. This is the faith he's talking about. How you fill that blank will determine whether you have the faith that matters or whether you just believe something really strongly that does not matter. If you fill that blank with the good teacher, Jesus Christ, great leader, religious figure, poor guy who loved everybody really well and was unjustly put to death, if that's what you fill in the blank with, sorry, it's not it. It's got to be our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you want to know if, if you have the kind of faith that Peter's talking about? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? He was the word at the very beginning. He was with God and he was God from the very beginning. By him and through him all things were created. Jesus Christ is our God. And he is our Savior. He stepped down off the throne of heaven and put on this fragile flesh and lived a life that was far beyond the righteousness any of us could come close to so that he could climb up on a cross and die for you and me. Listen, the God of all creation died for you. Let that sink in a minute. He died for you to provide a way to come back in relationship with him. Do you have that faith? Jesus Christ is not just whoever anybody says in the world says he is. 
is your God and your Savior. Now listen to me. If you're here and you're just seeking and you're searching and you're like, well, you just said everything you're going to say after this doesn't apply to you. Let me say something. Yeah, everything I'm going to say doesn't apply to you yet. <laughs> That's a really important word, yet. So hang in there. Like get a taste of the good stuff before you get permission to come in the restaurant, right? It doesn't apply to you yet. But here's the one thing I'll say. God is chasing after you. He's leaving the 99 and he's going after the one and you are the one. You know how I know that? Because he made a way for you to be right here in this place at this time to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. The God of all creation is chasing after you right now. So it doesn't apply to you yet. But start responding to his pursuit. Then it will. So it's really important, this is the faith he's talking about. Now, this is what Peter says about this faith. He says, if you have this faith, and Jesus Christ is uh, our God and Savior, do you know what he says? He says, this faith, faith is precious. Nobody gasped. Wow! It means we need to hear this again. Do you know your faith is precious? If you have, if you, this is the way you fill in the blank, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, this faith is so precious. But that's not what we think about our faith, is it? We look at our faith. If I were to tell you that, I, I, I ask you the question, is your faith precious? You might think, eh, well, you know, I got faith. I don't know if I have enough. Because that's what we do. We turn faith into this thing that's comparison. We do that with everything in our lives, don't we? We turn it into comparison. Everything. And it's not supposed to be comparison, but we turn it into comparison. This happened to me this week. I went to Awaken. Awaken was, how many of you all were at Awaken Parents Night? There with your kids. Yeah, a, a few of you in, in there. Went to Awaken Parents Night. And what they do in Awaken, if you've never been there, is uh, they play games at the beginning. And so they invite parents, and a parent and a student to come up for the games. And they had sets of parents and students who, listen, volunteered to come up. And there were five parents and five of their kids that volunteered to come up to this game. And there was a sixth parent and kid that were voluntold. <laughs> Connor, I see, I see you. You need to look more guilty than that. And this is what happened. Yes, that is me crouching down. I know it looks like I'm having fun, like I'm smiling. I have baloney on my face, though. Because this was the game. A parent and student, they each take half a stack of baloney, and you throw it to your kid, or you throw it to your parent, and you've got to catch it with your face. And then you got to keep throwing. And you got to do as many as you can in 30 seconds. And so my daughter and I did this, right? And so here's the result. This is also to prevent any blackmailing. So see, guys, it's out. Like, I don't, you know. But this got done, and my, my daughter and I, you know how many we got? We got three. Got three. There you go. Yeah, not too, not too shabby. So I hear that we got three, and I'm sitting there with bologna juice running down my face. You know how, you know how much the other, the, the, the other dad and son got who were doing it at the same time as us? Ten! <laughs> Ten! You know the first thought, literally, I, seriously, the first thought <laughs> that went through my head when I heard that they got ten was, why am I not better at this? 
And I thought, oh, wait a second, this is baloney. Like I did, like I did, there, this is no use, not any use at all. Now the guys who won, I think they got like, they got a gift card to Cracker Barrel, it was pretty good, but this is, this is gonna be no use at all. But what do I do right away in my head? I know that was funny, but like, why am I not better at this? Don't we do that with everything in our lives? The funny stuff and the not funny stuff? And when it comes to the important stuff, that's what we do. And so we come to something like faith, and we hear our faith is precious. And we go, meh, why am I not better at that? Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. Your faith is as precious as mine, Peter says. This is Peter, the guy who was first to tell Jesus, yeah, we know who you are. The one who said to Jesus when everybody else was running, said, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. The one who stepped out of a boat and walked on water. The one who preached and 3,000 souls got saved. It's him who says, listen, the guy who thought he was unworthy to die like Jesus and so he said, crucify me upside down. The guy with that faith says to you, says to me, says to any who are in Jesus Christ, you have received a faith just as precious as mine. And we don't think that. We think, why don't I have more? Why am I not better at this? You know, the disciples asked Jesus. They said, Lord, increase our faith. That sounds like a good prayer, right? But do you know what Jesus' response was? If you have faith as a mustard seed, you could look at that mountain and tell it to go jump in a lake. What do you need? Faith is a... A mustard seed, the smallest amount. See, because our faith is precious, not because of how much we have, because of who it's in. Listen to me, it's precious not because of how much we have, but because of who it's in. There's a reason that precious is capitalized. Because it's about the person of Jesus Christ. Your faith is gold because it's in Jesus Christ. You know what makes something precious? Something is precious because it's rare. And, you know, we can sit here in church and we're surrounded by a whole lot of people who have the same faith as us and we forget how rare our faith is. Do you know how rare it is when you walk out of here to have somebody who, who puts their whole lives, their whole hearts in the hands of someone that they have never met in the flesh? Do you know how blessed you are, how rare it is for, for someone to believe in what they haven't seen? This world is filled with billions of people who don't believe anything they can't see. Your faith is precious because it is rare. You know what else makes something precious? It's costly. Do you know how much your faith cost? You know how, came, how you came to this faith? By, by the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. We already talked about how much it cost. The God of all creation died. That's how much it cost. You know what else makes something precious? It's treasured. It's treasured. You know when you treasure something? When you actually recognize how valuable it is. We don't do that with our faith sometimes. We don't recognize how valuable it is. My, my kids have this jar of coins at home, and, and I had the same kind of jar when I was young. You know what the kind of coins it has? It has all these foreign coins in it. It has coins from Ireland and China and all these other places that they've gathered up along the way. And they say, look how cool this is. And I, I remember doing that when I was a kid. Do you know how much that's worth? Nothing. Do you know Why? Because we're not in those countries. Because that's money from a different country. 
So listen, we can sit in here among our brothers and sisters in Christ and we think, man, like we all have faith and we can understand how precious it is. But then we go out there and everybody else thinks it's crap. Everybody else thinks it's trash. They think it's not precious at all. It's because they don't realize how valuable it is. Because listen, you are from a different country. Me, I'm from a different country. We don't belong here anymore. And everybody around us from the world, they don't realize how valuable it is what we've got. Don't you believe it? It's just your home is in a different place. How many people were here last week for baptism? Man, was that not a special morning? Was that not a morning that you realized that your faith is precious? And especially for those of you who got baptized. How incredible. Like, it's so good we got to go back there. Take a look at the screens. the looks on their faces says it all doesn't it and their faith is precious so listen I don't know what happened this past week, how you were beat down, shoved aside, shrugged off, pushed aside, how how many people thought your faith was worthless. They're just not from our country. You, me, Peter, we know our faith is precious. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, We got through two verses so far. Woo! Got a little more mileage to go, all right? Verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything. Everything. Absolutely everything you need. This is what Peter said. Everything you need has been given to you. Our needs are provided for. Every single need you have is provided for. And I know what you're thinking because I thought it too when I'm looking at this verse and having to teach it, I don't feel like that ha- that's true. Man, I got so many needs that are not provided for right now. Every need is provided. Every need is provided for. Because I'm used to not having everything I need. I think we're all used to that. You know what I needed a couple weeks ago? I needed a mailbox. I needed a mailbox out in front of my house. And I needed one that you didn't have to go into the concrete for because there's a sidewalk outside my house. So I ordered one on Amazon. I ordered the stand and I ordered the mailbox and it was everything I needed. 
until it wasn't. You know, on Amazon, they have that, like, um, they, they suggest purchases. The things you bought, they're frequently bought together with. Oh, that's helpful. I usually ignore that, but I saw that, and there was a mailbox stand. There was a mailbox base. You're telling me the base doesn't come with a mailbox? But apparently it doesn't. There's a base that fits with the mailbox and the stand. I'm like, okay, well, i, I got to buy the base. So I bought the base, and it came in, and the base came in, and the stand came in, and I put the stand together, and I tried to fit the base on it, and it didn't fit. See, because here's the thing. The base was built to go on a, a wood post, a four-inch wood post, with it, which if you've ever worked with wood, you know a four-inch wood post is three and a half inches. Everybody knows that. A four-inch wood post is three and a half inches, so that's what the base is built for. Except the stand I bought from my mailbox wasn't wood, it was PVC. And they decided to make their post a four-inch post, which was not three and a half inches, it was four inches. <laughs> I don't know what engineer came up with that, but why do you change stuff on us? So I didn't have everything I needed. So I had to go to Home Depot and I had to buy these things to make the mailbox fit. And I bought everything I needed. And then I went home on Saturday morning. Uh, I actually, I bought it Friday night. And then I went home and then I worked on it Saturday. And then I realized I, my drill bit wasn't long enough to put in the screws what I needed to put in. And so I had to run to Home Depot again and get the drill bit. So I ran Saturday morning. And then I got it a little further and then I realized it's not as secure as I wanted. I need some L brackets. But I have some in the garage. But I looked in the garage and I didn't have them. And I need to go back to Home Depot. So I ended up going four times to Home Depot for a mailbox. I did not have everything I needed. And I don't know about you, but when you come back, I, I, I thought my thought, my first thought when I realized I didn't have everything I needed was I was just there. Like I was just there. Have you ever had that feeling? You go to the grocery store and you come back and all of a sudden like you didn't get, get apples. You didn't get toilet paper. I was just there. If only I had known I had needed it, I would have been able to get it, but I didn't know I needed it. And so I don't have it and so I need to go back. And here's the thing, I think that happens with our spiritual life. I know it happens with mine. I will come and sit here on a Sunday morning and receive from the word of God and praise him and hands raised and all that stuff. And then Sunday afternoon, somebody pulls in front of me. Or somebody says that word that they don't know annoys me, but it annoys me. Or temptation comes in the middle of my path. I can be my quiet time on Tuesday morning, and by mid-morning Tuesday morning, I'm in the tank with fear or anxiety or rage because of something that happened. And you know what I can do is I can look back and I think, I was just there! Like, I was just at church. I was just in my quiet time. Like, if I had known what I needed in this moment, I, I could have gotten it then, but I don't, and I need to go back to get it. And that's the fix. I need to go back to get it. We were in a meeting this week, and Pastor Jeff uh, shared that, you know, sometimes he thinks there's these problems that can only be fixed in his prayer closet. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I resonate with that. There's these problems that I run into in the day, and I think the only fix is for me to physically go back home and open my Bible and get in my prayer closet or my chair or whatever it is, get alone with God, and that's how I got to fix it. And listen to me, that's a good motivation. First and foremost, because you know that you don't have what you need in yourself. That's a good motivation. Here's the thing. The spiritual life doesn't work that way, Peter says. You already have everything you need in Jesus Christ. Everything you need for a godly life. So you don't have to worry about running back to church or your prayer closet. Why? Because you have it. How? Not through your power, through his divine power. And where is he? He's in you. 
He is with you right now, just like he promised. He who has authority over heaven and earth, he promised that he would never leave you. And so if you are in Christ, you have everything you need. It doesn't matter what you feel. You have everything you need. And I'm willing to bet if you think about it, you've experienced this. It's just we don't think about it hard enough to realize we've experienced this because we're too used to feeling like we don't have everything we need. I was feeling that way this week. Like, I don't have everything I need. This week, there were so many things crowding in on my schedule, and I had to message prep, and I had this much work to do. And I know what you all think about somebody who's a pastor. You think, oh, man, that must be nice. You get to study all week. Yeah, I, I looked ahead of my week, and I had this much time to study. But then personal life crept in, and then I had these meetings that ran along, and then I had these unplanned meetings, and then I, then I had emails I needed to send, and, and, and it kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was like, God, I don't have, to, I don't have what I need. Like, I'm not going to get this. I, I'm, this is not going to be ready. You all are going to be staring at me, and I'm going to have no idea what Peter's talking about. <laughs> I don't have what I need. And, and like, we got to remind you, God has delivered before in some small way, right? I've kept you awake before, so something's going to happen. <laughs> but, like, this fear and anxiety can build, right, when we feel like we don't have anything we need, everything we need. But here's the thing, it doesn't come from us. And so I wake up yesterday morning, I wake up, and I know like, what, I, what I think I need to get done on Saturday is just astronomical. There's no way I can get it all done. There's people to meet, there's calls to happen, there's the work I want to do on the house, there, there's a message to prep. I cannot do it. And what's going to happen as soon as I wake up, and I know this in my groggy state, when my eyes start to open, I know like I'm right at the edge of the cliff. Just one thought, and I could jump off, and like fear and anxiety are going to take hold. And that's the only choice that it looks like is in front of me. And then I hear this voice, and I don't know if it was, a, it wasn't like a tangible voice, but I hear this in my head, and it was words that I didn't think on my own. You know what it said? The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning with ears to listen. Wakens my ears to listen like one being taught. Oh. I had everything I needed. I can't tell you what a calm that was to my soul. That's a life verse for me. That's Isaiah 54. Like, I want to be a person who has a word that sustains the weary. I don't know if you walked in here weary. I hope something I say this morning, by the power of Jesus Christ, sustains you in your weariness. And the Lord said to me, you know where you get it? You don't muster it up out of nowhere. I give it to you. I'm going to awaken your ears to be taught. And I had everything I needed. What, where has it happened for you? That you thought you didn't have enough, you were about to be overwhelmed with anxiety or fear or rage. You didn't know what you had in the moment. Overwhelmed by temptation and you just got to give in. And God showed up when you least expected it and gave you everything you needed. We're going to come back to that thought because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how? Well, here's the thing. I had a choice in that moment. When I heard that verse in my head that I didn't think of on my own, it was planted. I still had a choice whether to jump off the cliff. I still had a choice whether to go, yeah, but, or to turn my focus and say, Jesus, but for you, I would jump off this cliff. Like, help me remember that. This moment and the next moment and the next moment. See, I have a choice. And that's where Peter goes next. Here, here's the thing. 
Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that, so that, here's the point, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, I've read that a thousand times, and I skip right past it. Yeah, that sounds great, doesn't it? Think about this. So that this is God's desire for you, for me, so that we may be participants in the divine nature. Our response, here's our response to all of this, to our faith being precious, to God giving us everything we needed, our response is partaking. That's what, that's what another translation says. We're part, participating in the divine nature. He says, partake. That we are to be partakers in the very life and nature of God. Doesn't that sound amazing? Does anybody have any clue what it means? Like, I, I think that sounds amazing. What the heck does that mean? And, and so I started to wonder what it means. What does it mean to partake? I mean, like, what, what is Peter really saying there? And I looked up uh, the Greek word for partake here, which sounds really impressive when I say that, doesn't it? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can't do that. Here's what I did. I went to blueletterbible.com. If you don't know how, little, how to look up a Greek word and what it means in the Bible, write down blueletterbible.com. There's also an app for that. I've got the app. And I just look it up. I go to this verse, and I click on that word. It's simple. If you don't know how to use it, come up later. I'll show you how to use it. And it tells me the word for partaking is koinonos. The Greek word for partaking is koinonos. I said, oh, that sounds familiar. And it says the, the root word is from something. And I click on that. And the root word is from koinos, which is the same root word as koinonia. Oh, I've heard that before. That's a churchy word, right? That's Greek. And, and, and we use that word koinonia to talk about the fellowship the community that we have together as church, sharing together. Here's the problem, koinonia. I've heard that word enough in my life because I grew up in church that I hear koinonia, I hear fellowship, and I think stale donuts and three-hour-old coffee. I think church potlucks with ham loaf that I don't want to eat. That's not the fellowship he's talking about. He's talking about koinonia. This is the Greek word, koinonos, is the word used here. The root word is koinos. Koinonia is what it's from. It means to have in common with. And it's the same word used in lots of other passages of Scripture. Two of them being really familiar passages to a lot of us. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 when it talks about the church sharing all things together. They had koinonia. That's where it comes from. That's why we use the word for fellowship. Here's, here's what it says in Acts chapter 4. It says this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Man, couldn't we long for that to be of one heart and soul? And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. They had koinos. Everything in common. And well, what what does it look like to have everything in common? What did that mean? Well, here's what it meant. Verse 34 of Acts 4 says this. There was not a needy person among them. Sound familiar? They had everything they needed. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land and houses sold them as were, uh, and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each 
as any had need. Koinonia. Now I want you to think about what that looked like. I want you to imagine that you were an early believer in the church and that you heard about this Jesus who apparently performed wonders and died on a cross as a criminal, but all of a sudden people are saying that eternal life, the very life and nature of God can be found in a relationship with him. And that he is the one true God, the Lord and Savior. And and at some moment you believe but, but nobody else around you does. And so you go back to that person who told you, and they say, come with me. I have some people to introduce to you. And you come and you find this community. And you come poor. Because maybe you're out of work, and you've got, you don't have two coins to rub together. You come poor, and they, they say, that's okay. What do you need? Rent? We'll, we'll give you some rent. And you come with no food to eat, and they say, here, have a seat at our table, because it's your table too. And they, they lay a banquet before you, And maybe you come sick and you don't have enough money for the medicine and they say, here, have my bed. And they lay you down and they nurse you back to health because here's here's the medicine. You can't give that to me. That's your medicine. You've spent money on that. No, it's ours because we have koinos, because we have everything in common together. And you're nursed back to health and you have the food you need and the rent money's paid and you have everything you need. Well, how is that sustainable? I mean, come on. That's going to run out eventually, right? No, it, it doesn't because the one who is nursed back to health and get, once he gets his feet back under him, you know what he does? He works his job and he buys some land. He says, I've got more. I can sell some. And he sells it and he brings the money and lays it at the apostles' feet. And he says, this isn't mine, this is ours. And he shares it with everybody else. And it just keeps going because they have everything in common. And it never runs out. And Peter says, listen to me. This is like, you've got to wake up or this is not going to sink in. Listen to me. Peter says, this is what God has done for you. We came to him sick and naked and poor with nothing to offer. We don't have anything. And he gives us everything. And he opens it and he says, come sit at my table. I've got everything you need. I've got all the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness that you are unable to walk in. I've got all of it. I've got my very nature that Jesus Christ walked in perfectly. I've got all of it. And I'm going to share it in common with you. It's yours too. I don't know if you all are getting this. You're all too quiet. The Lord of heaven has invited us into his house, into very fellowship with him, and says what's mine is yours, not just my stuff. I own the cattle on the thousand hills, sure, here. But my very nature Have it, it's yours. As my son, my daughter, it's yours. And our response is to receive all that. And our response is to partake. So what does that look like? He says this, for this very reason, make every effort. Which really is counterintuitive for us because he just said a few verses earlier, you have everything you need. And now he says, make every effort. That's not the way we think, folks. We think, when I have everything I need, I will finally get a vacation. 
When I have everything we need, I'll finally get to kick back. You know, Jesus told a story about a very, very rich man and a very, very foolish man. And the man was so rich, he said to himself, soul, myself, listen, you have everything you need. So eat, drink, and be merry. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. See, that's not God-centered living. God is inviting us to God-centered living, and that's not God-centered living. God-centered living is you have everything you need. Now join me in the work. You have everything you need. Now put it to work. We think we have everything we need, so lay back. He says you have everything you need, so live forward. Live forward. Not to earn your place, you already have your place. Because Jesus has done all this for you. Because you have received what you don't deserve. Make every effort to walk in everything he's given you. Okay, make every effort. How do I do this? To add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. And I read this, and I think that's an awesome list. And I think about what these things are. Self-control, yeah, I could have used that when I had ice cream the other week. Love, definitely need to grow on that. Perseverance, yep, I need to keep at it, and I tend to give up too easily. Yeah, godliness, I, I don't look enough like Christ. I need to look more like him. And I can walk away from a passage like this, and I can think, these things are great. Yes, I need more of all of these. And then uh, nothing happens because I have no idea how to apply this to my life. So I was wrestling with God this week, and I was like, God, how do, how do I apply this to my life? And it, he, he says, make every effort to add to your faith. All of these things, what does this actually tangibly look like? And I'm going to offer a suggestion to you. This isn't like a, a genius commentator. This is just little old me. So like, take, take it for what it's worth. But you know, there was, there was an area of my life, we've already talked about it this morning. There's an area of my life that I realized did not align with God's purpose and plan for my life. Y'all who have been through freedom in Christ, you know, what Pastor Jeff was talking about at one point was there are things in our lives that don't fit a son or a daughter of God, right? And we've been coming, if you've been going through that course, if you haven't, you might get another chance sometime, but we've been going through that course and learning that there are things that don't apply to us and we need to actually get rid of in our lives. And, and so as we become aware of these things, Jesus actually shepherds us and makes us more aware of things in our lives that don't belong to a son or a daughter of God. And one of the things he made me aware of was that I, think, I have a feeling of lack in my life. I do not feel like I have everything I need most of the time. And I get kind of resentful about that. I get resentful of others who have stuff that I don't have. I get resentful toward God who has everything and could give it to me but hasn't yet for some reason. And so what do I do in this area of lack? Sure, make every effort. How am I supposed to make every effort in this? And as I was preparing for this message, now Jesus had already done a work in me, but then he started to show me some of the things he started to do. And it was some of the things that are on this very list. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. What does that look like? It looks like coming to an area of my life like lack. I have this feeling of lack and I need to get rid of it in my life. This doesn't belong to a son of God. And I ask this question, what is the God-centered alternative? Because lack is self-centered, isn't it? I don't have everything I need. It's all about me. It's self-centered. There's an alternative, though. I, I don't need to stay stuck there. 
God has provided another option for me, so what is it? What's the alternative? What's the God-centered alternative to this pattern of thought, to this attitude, to this behavior, to this response that I have to a situation? Temptation, whatever it is, you could apply this to anywhere in your life. What's the God-centered alternative to lack? Well, in Christ I have everything I need. In Christ I have everything. Is is lack a godly thought pattern? If I think, walk through life, no, no, the word, his word says the exact opposite. So I know there's an alternative to walking through life, feeling lack all the time. I just don't know how to get there. So what's the God-centered alternative? I add to my faith, goodness. I realize there's another option here. And then I add knowledge. What am I missing about God's heart here? So in this area of lack, there's something I'm missing. And I need to find out what it is because God is not a God of lack, right? He's a good father. I'm missing that he's a good father. And he wants good things for his children. And I'm not talking a prosperity gospel kind of good things. He gives everything we want. No, he's a good father who provides everything we need. And if I, being a sinner, give good gifts to my children, how much more would he, our perfect father in heaven, how much more does he want to give good gifts to us? I need to get to know this area of God's heart that I'm lacking in. I need to get educated. I need to get experience in this area. And so I need to search the scriptures for what I have. And, and what God gave me was koinonia. Oh, I didn't know that I, what I had, what, what it means that God gives me everything I need is that he opens the banqueting table and shares with me every. I come to the table with nothing and he shares it all. Oh, that changes things. Well, you're just using different words to say that God gives you everything you need. Yeah, I need those different words. Amen? Like we need those different words to wake us up because I don't know God's heart enough in this. That's why I'm having this pattern of thought of lack. I I add to it knowledge and then I add self-control. What new pattern do I need to exercise? Here's been my pattern so far. I have this pattern of thought of lack where I, I can wake up or I can go through a situation and I can immediately be drawn to the things that I don't have in the situation that I think I need. What new pattern do I need to exercise? Here's one that God's been working on me in, gratitude. If God is a good father who provides all my needs and if lack is not a thought pattern that glorifies him and doesn't belong to a son, what's the opposite thought pattern? What's the new practice I can put into place? Gratitude. So as soon as that bill comes in and I feel like I don't know if I'm going to have enough, oh God, I thank you for this house. I thank you for this food. I thank you for my family. When I feel like I don't have enough to deal with whatever situation is going on with my kids, Jesus, I thank you so much for the gift of my children. I don't know how to handle They're too much for me, but I thank you that you're with me in this. And I start practicing gratitude. What new pattern do I exercise in this? See, I add to my faith goodness, and I add to goodness knowledge, and I add to knowledge self-control, and I add to self-control perseverance. Where do I need to exercise it again and again and again and again and again and again? That's, that's just what it is. <laughs> like, you don't just make the choice once, amen? You make it again and again and again and again and again. And I fail and fall down 30 times every day. Oh, but I had two or three victories yesterday. (laughs) Maybe today I'll have four or five. (laughs) And maybe next week, what comes natural to God will come more natural to me because that's his intention for our lives. So I add to self-control perseverance. And I add to perseverance godliness. Where am I now free to worship and follow him? Do you know what I found 
with this area of lack, I, I used to be, I, I spent so much time, I spend so much time worrying and fearful. And do you know what happens now? I have space. I, I mean, I spend all this time worrying about not having enough in whatever areas of my life. And you know what you'll find is you start to become more free? Now I have space. Did you, do you ever come to that point of a day where you have all these things on your list and all of a sudden the list is done? I know it doesn't happen often, but once in a while. The list done and you kind of look around and you're like, what am I supposed to do now? Can I tell you, as you follow Jesus in this, you're going to find you have mental space and focus and freedom and you're going to be like, what do, I, what do I do with this time? I used to worry so much, what do I do with it? Oh, meditate on his word. Worship him. Follow him. Obey. You're going to have time and mental energy and emotional energy that's all freed up and you're not going to know what to do with. So, so God, how, how can I use that time? How can I use that space? How can I use that focus to worship and follow him? Add to my perseverance godliness. And I add to my godliness mutual affection. See, because this isn't all about me. This isn't just, like God blesses me with so many things, but then it, it also flows to me, but it flows through me to others. It overflows to others. And so how can I share with others what I've partaken of? So you know what I've partaken of the last few weeks is I've turned my attention more to the way he provides. I've partaken of his abundance. And how can I share that with you? Well, that's what I've been doing. I've been trying to do for the last like 45 minutes or so. That's what you get the chance to do every single day. You get to tell your testimony of how has God been good in this area of your life. How is he growing you? How is he raising you up? How is he freeing you to follow him and to worship him? And you get to tell others about it. It is so much fun. Oh, most of you don't realize how fun it is, but it's so much fun. I feel like I'm the only one having fun in the room. That's okay. Ah, mutual affection. All right, thank you. We had to our godliness mutual affection, and we had to our mutual affection love. So now it's not just about telling my testimony. It's not just, do you, can you believe what God has done in my life? But now, with all this freedom, now it's how is Jesus inviting me to sacrifice without expectation? Do you know as a person who has suffered for a lot of years self-inflicted wounds from lack? I've had self-inflicted wounds from lack. And, and now, you, you know what I've done? My tendency is to get fearful when I feel like I don't have enough, and I hold on tightly. I watch every penny. That's a good thing. Dave Ramsey says that's good. I can watch every penny, right? But then I hold on to it. And you know what God is teaching me to ask this question? Jesus, how are you inviting me to, to just open my hands? <laughs> to just sacrifice? To actually, when I get a little bit scared, give a little bit more. Get a little bit more scared. <laughs> Walk out into the waters before they parted. Sacrifice without any expectation of return. Forgive without expecting somebody to be your best friend. Worship without expecting anybody to think you're not crazy. Tell what God's doing in your life without expecting anybody else to understand, but doing it anyway. How can I sacrifice without expectation? Because this is the invitation to become partakers of his divine nature. This is... 
this is the chance we have. This is the adventure we get to live. This is how we live forward every moment and every day from now on, knowing that your faith, my faith, it is precious. It's so precious it caused somebody to step out of a boat. How are you going to step out of a boat today? To know our faith is precious. To know every need we have is provided for. Everything you actually need. Not what you think you need. Not what you really want. But everything you actually needed for a God-centered life. For life and godliness. You have it all right now if you are in Jesus Christ because you have him. And the invitation now that Jesus makes to us is will you become a partaker I'm offering all this to you. Will you make every effort to eat the good food I've provided, to walk with the strength of my spirit in you, to partake of this? So what now? We pray. No, really, that's what we do right now. We pray. We, we, we sang this earlier. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Are there trials and temptations? Is there hardship anywhere? I don't, I don't know what God has revealed in your life over the course of looking at his word this morning. Maybe he's revealed hardships that you've let tell you lies about your life. Maybe he's told you uh, some things that are burdens that you've carried that you need to lay down. Maybe there's some sin, some temptation you've been given in, into because you don't, know, you don't realize the abundance that he offers to you. Maybe you've been walking through life like I was, feeling lack, and, and you just need to say, Jesus, I'm done with that. By your power in me, by your goodness, I want to be done with that, and I want to announce something new. And I want to invite you all to recognize that. As we go to prayer now, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. And as the worship team comes back out, just sit in this space with Jesus a moment. And God, we just invite you here by your spirit. I thank you for the way that your spirit has spoken to us through your word. I thank you for the precious faith that we have. Not because we have enough of it, but because we even just have a little bit, but it's in the right person. Jesus, you are the right person, the only right one. God, we come to you now and we confess that there are so many times where we feel like we do not have what we need. And God, I just ask for your spirit to speak to every mind and heart in this moment, to speak to the area of our lives, whether it's hardness of heart, or temptation, or fear, and anxiety, or rage. Show us now what's been part of our lives that doesn't belong to a son of God. So we need to put it off. It doesn't belong to a daughter of God because that's not how we get what we need. We get what we need from you. And Jesus, we come to you in this moment in prayer right now asking for what we need, which you already know far better than we even do. Lord, there might be somebody in this room who's tired. 
The last thing they feel like they can do is walk out of here and make every effort. Jesus, I thank you that you invite us, first of all, as weary and heavy-laden people with nothing to offer. And so we come to you with our nothingness. And we lay it at your feet. And we ask you, Spirit of God, to well up in us and remind us of all that you've provided. And God, we freely bring to you now areas of our lives where we've leaned back. Where we've said, well, I'm doing pretty good in this area, so it's enough. And we kick up our feet. And we lean back. We say, well, I can finally relax. God, I thank you that we can rest in you, but you give us the rest that we can live. Live moving forward. That the victory you have for us is not, it's not a victory of relaxation. It's a victory of living, productive, full, abundant lives that you have attend, intended for us. God, that's what we want this morning. And so any area of life that is not, where we are not living in that fullness, God, we bring it to you now. We say to you, Lord, Have your way in this. We open our hands, and we don't even know how to do this, but we know there's a different way to walk. So show us the good way that we can walk in it. Give us knowledge to add to that goodness. Give us all we need to add to our faith, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We lift these areas of our lives to you. And we thank you that as we bring them and as we release them now to you, we release them without shame. We release them knowing that you have everything we need for this need right now, for this area of our lives right now. And God, we do not end this prayer, but we continue it on after these words with this song. And with this day, to continually bring this area before you, as you prompt, and to continually surrender to you, that you might grow us up, and that the sons and daughters you intend. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your love for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Grace family, would you stand to your feet? Let's worship one more time.